Hi, I'm your host, Grey Wolf, and I'm glad you joined us here for our very first episode. On today's podcast, we'll have kind of an introduction to the podcast itself. Also today, we have an interview with Michelle Hansen, author of The Ocean Oracle and Ocean Wisdom, as well as new music from Kellyanna and harpist Jerry Marchant. So welcome to A Pagan Heart and Main Podcast, and we'll start off with a song from Kellyanna's new album, A Walk with the Goddess. The song is called Freya. Climb through the mountains, earth's towers of stone In search of great power and the glitter of gold My husband and daughter tucked safely in her womb I left in search of great power and gold I left in search of great power and gold Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far Crying tears of amber, tears of gold from my lost love and I'm one step behind him every corner I turn That be the price for a necklace of gold I pay the price for this necklace of gold Wings of the falcon from Asgard I soared To the kingdom of Midgard where man ruled the world There I searched every valley and village and fjord I vowed I'd not stop till I'd search the nine worlds I'd never stop till I'd search the nine worlds Onward I searched through long days and long nights By the shine of the sun and the twinkle of starlight I still couldn't find it, oh where was my prize? I'd accept no defeat, I would not be denied I'd accept no defeat, I would not be denied Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far Crying tears of amber, tears of gold from my lost love And I'm one step behind him every corner I turn That be the price for a necklace of gold I pay the price for this necklace of gold I travel below to the home of four dwarves To behold a gold necklace with magic they'd forged What must I do for this power to hold? To lie with us all is the cost I was told You must lie with us all, that's the cost I was told With a chariot team of two cats, sleek and strong I moved through the world in triumphant return Eager I was for my family and home To honor my magical necklace of gold To honor my magical necklace of gold Now I've come so far, come so far, come so far Crying tears of amber, tears of gold from my lost love And I'm one step behind him every corner I turn That be the price for a necklace of gold 
take a few minutes to introduce myself and the podcast and what you might find in each episode. I thought I'd start with the name, A Pagan Heart in Maine Podcast. Well, my name is Grey Wolf, and I'm a pagan, and I live in the southern coast of Maine with two cats, Spunky, our black and white American short hair, and Princess, our tortoiseshell kitty, and two women, my wonderful wife Oceana, who you may hear from time to time on this podcast, and our best friend and roommate, who I shall refer to as... She who shall not be named, because she doesn't want to be named on the podcast. That wouldn't be so bad, except that every time I offer to set up a microphone by her computer, she gives me this look. So, let me go ahead and paint a picture for you. Imagine it's the year 1914, and a person is standing on the docks getting ready to board the Titanic on its maiden voyage. And as he stands there holding a glass of ice water, he has a premonition. He looks at the boat, then his glass of ice, then the boat... Maybe he holds a glass of ice up next to the boat, and suddenly that little intuitive voice in the back of his brain says, I'm not getting on the boat. He doesn't know why, he just knows he's not getting on the boat. So now we cut to the Titanic, slowly pulling away from the docks, with people cheering and smiling as it slowly heads toward its destiny. And on the docks we see the man with the glass of water, and on his face is a look of profound sadness and pity, mixed with the happiness of knowing that he will not be holding hands with Leo DiCaprio, 20,000 leagues under the sea, while Kathy Bates floats back to shore on a lifeboat. This is the same look our roommate gives to me every time I talk about this podcast. Now, one of the reasons for this podcast is I like to hear myself speak, and I thought, well, maybe other people would like to hear myself speak as well, or I could be horribly and tragically mistaken, but we shall see. I will give you, my audience, a small warning. My little attention deficit-addled brain may drag us down some rabbit trails from time to time, but I'll always try and leave a path of breadcrumbs to bring us back. So why this podcast? Well, I wanted to create an avenue for other pagans and pagan-friendly people on the web to connect with each other here in New England and abroad. You know, talk with people of interest within the pagan community, seek out some of the places to worship, open circles, groves, temples here, Introduce musical artists, some that you've heard, and maybe some you haven't. 
and also visit other places and events that you, the listener, may want to check out. I'm sure over the next several months I'll be adding segments and deleting segments, and that the one thing that's certain is that this podcast will change and grow. But I don't want this to be a one-sided podcast. I want to know what you think. What do you want to hear? Are you a musician and want to share your music? Do you have any poems you'd like to share? Do you have an idea for a segment? Well, you can write me anytime at greywolf at paganheartandmain.com because I don't bite. Much. Blessed.
And welcome back to the Pagan Heart and Main podcast. I'm Gray Wolf, and I'm here with Shelley Hansen, the author of The Ocean Oracle, What Seashells Reveal About Our True Nature, and her new book, Ocean Wisdom, Lessons from the Seashell Kingdom. And welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I've had a chance to look over the Ocean Oracle and uh, also the, the new book that you just put out, and I wanted to ask a few questions and just introduce you to the readers how did you get interested in shells, and how did you come upon this path that you're on now? That's a question I've asked myself quite a bit. I've loved shells all my life. I can't explain why. I've never lived near the ocean. But with a name like Shelley, I just think there's a destiny involved that I was going to be connected somehow to seashells. And having loved them all my life, I studied them just for my own pleasure. When I was in my 30s, I met someone who told me he heard of a shell reader. And I'd never heard of the concept before, but I was just learning about metaphysics. And the combination with seashells and metaphysics, it was like a marriage in heaven for me. And I wanted to go to the seashell reading to explore what that was about. And I, I was never able to do that because he could never find the contact information. But he instead, just to salvage something from our conversation, said, why don't you just use your own shells? And because I'd studied them all my life, I thought this was common knowledge. And I said, but everybody will know that this one builds a raft, and this is the principle of the submarine, and this is the color purple. And I was going on and on for quite a while, and he said, Shelley, I don't think everyone is going to know that. Mm -hmm. So I hung up the phone, and I had a couple of hundred shells at the time. And it only took me one week, and I knew what every single shell meant, but it's because I'd studied them all my life. I just didn't realize I was studying. It's the best way to learn anything when you don't even know that you're studying. It's just pleasurable experience, learning and learning and learning, and then one day, there's a purpose for all of it. Now, one of the things that I found interesting is that it's not the shell itself that gives you the meaning for the reading. It's the animal that lives inside the shell and how their life is that brings a meaning to the shell or, or brings a meaning to the reading? I approach this as a scientist. I have a scientific background. And that's exactly the point. Is To me, the fascination was how these animals behave. The intelligence, the compassion. People may not think a snail, a lowly invertebrate, could have compassion, but I have photographs of a snail being rescued by its comrades. Hmm. And to me... I just was looking for what is unique about each shell. There are about 100,000 different species of shells out there. And I only have 500, so it's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. But with my 500, what I tried to discover is what's unique about this? What does this animal do that the other mollusks don't? And whatever that answer to that question would be, that to me was the meaning connected to that shell. So it really is the, the, the animal in nature teaching us the lessons, not just a picture of the shell, not just... I will say that I have a few categories, and the majority, it's based on the behavior of the animals. Um, In addition to that, there are some, the meanings come from their interaction with man throughout history. Hmm, And it could even be, in that case, how the shell was used by man. Oh, really? Okay. As well as the animal. Give me an example of that. Yes. um, Well, a wonderful example is the scallop. The scallop that people might be familiar with, with um, shell gasoline stations, the the big yellow scallops. Well, many, many years ago, 
The scallop was the symbol of a sacred journey. Whether the pilgrims were going to the Holy Land and couldn't get into the Holy Land because it was too dangerous, so they went to an alternative site in Spain, Compostela, Spain, which was where they had the shrine to the Apostle St. James. Okay. And when they made this pilgrimage, they would pick up scallops from the shore there as an emblem of their sacred journey. During the Crusades, the Crusaders would pick up scallops and wear them as an emblem of their sacred journeys. And if you fast forward in history, when you get to British heraldry, the coats of arms of many families have stylized scallops on them. This means that those families had ancestors who either fought in the Holy Wars or made the pilgrimage. And so there's even an order of knights, and their symbol, the Knights of the Garter, was a scallop. Winston Churchill was a member of this Mm -hmm. order of knights. So if you combine the heroic connection with the sacred journey connection, you get a hero's journey. Now, the interesting thing to me is if we go back to Shell Gasoline, because that didn't start out as a gasoline company at all. The founder, Marcus Samuel, was in London, and he had an antique store. Mm -hmm. His best sellers at the time, this was Victorian days, were shells from the Orient. So he called his store the Shell Store. Then, 50 years later, when he dies and his sons inherit... The bestseller is no longer shells, it's kerosene. And they merge with Dutch Petroleum and become an oil company, but they want to take a symbol of their father's humble beginnings, which would be the shell store. What I don't know is if they knew the scallop was the shell connected to journeys, but what better shell for a gasoline station than the shell about journeys when that's what they do, they fuel our journeys. But if you think of the scallop as a hero's journey, for me, when I drive by those big yellow scallops, it's like prodding us on our hero's journey. So if, if, just as an example, if we were to pick that shell, that's what it would represent in our own lives. Exactly. Is, is, is the journey, the hero's journey. The journey. hero's journey, which is not the, the trodden path. It's going off the path, marching to your own drummer. It may mm. be difficult, but that's sort of the purpose that you're on the planet is to find that path. And listen to your own drummer, so to speak. Okay, so That's so your journey. would it be more of, of like the search? Yes, it's like following your bliss, as Joseph okay. Campbell used to discuss. That concept where other people cannot impose their dictates upon you because only you know what is your heartbeat and where is your soul's quest going to take you. That's just one example of, mm-hmm. of how that, that works and everything, where the shell's interaction with mankind has given it its meaning. Um, what would be an example of, say, the animal living inside the shell that would give its meaning? Um, a really nice example to use of that would be the Janthina. J-A-N-T-H-I-N-A, in case I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. All my knowledge comes from books, so I don't really know what the <laughs> correct pronunciation would be. But the Janthina, the animal lives on the surface of the ocean in its shell, far from shore, and it cannot swim. It's an an animal that lives in the ocean that cannot swim. And it's on the surface of the ocean. So how can it stay on the surface of the ocean with an inability to swim? What it does is it uses mucus. Now, a lot of these mollusks, when you watch snails on land and they have that slimy trail, that's that's mucus. They all contain mucus, but they use it for really magical purposes. And in the Janthina's case, it's like glue. 
Okay, they so, grew. so so let let's just say for the, for the audience, uh, mucus is magical. That that'll be one for the books right there. Absolutely. Someone once <laughs> told me I should have a T-shirt. And it says, mucus is magical if you're a mollusk. <laughs> if you're a mollusk. Okay, that's, that's great. So the janthina, let me show you the magic with the janthina, is it takes its mucus and uses it like glue, glues air bubbles together, and builds a raft. Oh, ain't that neat. And it spends its entire life floating on the raft. If it becomes separated from its raft, it would drown because it can't swim. Now, what this means in divination is someone who's got to cling to the bubbles for survival. That's like living in a fantasy, in this bubble. And if I was saying, Earth to Grey Wolf, Earth to Grey Wolf, trying to bring you down to Earth, the animal is also blind. So it's like I'm clinging to my bubbles, and I don't want to see anything else. Ah, So when someone is working with that shell, it shows that they're in some kind of denial. They're they're not looking at something that they're actually blocking their vision. They are. They're in an illusion. They think life is a certain way. They are going to claim that they're happy. And family and friends usually are trying to tell them, take a look around you and see what's really going on, and they don't want to see. So when they pick this particular shell, and especially in Ocean Oracle where it's a card, you can turn the card over and read the meaning on the back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the first time that information penetrates for that person because they know they pick the shell, they turn it over, and they read someone who's clinging to a fantasy. And sometimes tears start to come because it's finally getting through to them in a way that family and friends were not able. And it just snuck up on them because they wouldn't think a shell would have that much to deliver as a message. And then you just look at what other shells do they have surrounding that in the reading, and that will give them the details. Each of these shells, because they have a unique meaning, think of that as a vocabulary word. There's a language going on. And the other shells that you place with it are going to tell you how to string those words together to make the sentences, to make the paragraphs of your message. Okay. And for our audience, I just wanted to say the Ocean Oracle, it's a deck of 200-some-odd cards. Is it 200 200, cards? exactly. 200 cards. And while many of you out there may be familiar with, like, a tarot deck, which has 78 cards, these are so much easier to use and to read because the meanings are right on the back of the cards. And the layouts are very simple. It's it's really, I'm amazed for an oracle deck just how easy it is to use this deck in an actual uh, situation to get very, very detailed readings. It's a ve- the, the Ocean Oracle itself is a very, very easy system to use. And I'm just amazed at how easy and how, how freely the meanings come, even though they're written right on the back of the cards. But when you place them together, when you're actually doing a reading, mm-hmm. the different groupings, it just makes so much sense that when you turn those cards over, and, and it, it almost spells right out what you're trying, what you're searching for. I'm so glad you're having that experience because that was my intention. I only wanted... One meaning per shell. 200 sounds overwhelming, but in many tarot decks there are multiple meanings per card. And I wasn't able always to feel I was picking the right one from that series of possibilities. And as I put each extra card down, I felt I might exponentially increase my chance for error. So I was trying to find a way to be as error-free as I could when I'm working with the shells. And that's why there are 200, but each only has one meaning. And when you mentioned spreads, what I tried to do is actually have no spreads, where okay. the person picks however many shells they want to. There's no limit to how many, and arranges them any way they want to. 
So, so the person puts them in their own little groups. Like yes, I have seen all kinds of patterns where it can all be one big group that they put all the shells together or many separate groups or any design that they can conjure up because it's whatever appeals to them. Their higher self is actually directing where they're going to be placing the shells and even what shells are going to get their attention. They may get their attention because they think they're beautiful sometimes they get people's attention because they bother them but if they, it they gets their like attention them. it counts yeah right so so you're not just picking the cards that you like but you can also pick the cards that you don't like Precisely. as well and and for that very reason it's it's like this card's jumping out at me but I, it's because I don't like it mm-hmm. and that card too will actually have a meaning toward the person right and sometimes if you see that you don't like a particular show um, the meanings of the shells are always the same, but depending on your reaction to the shell. For instance, there's a shell that means the loner. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't like that shell, it means you'll do anything not to be alone. Ah, okay. If you do like that shell, you want your solitary time, and you don't want other people intruding upon that solitary time. I understand. So it always means the loner, but it's how you are responding to that shell. Now, you also have a uh, new book out. Yes. And could you go ahead and, and uh, describe that a little bit? That, um, it's only been the last four years that the shells have sort of taken me in a new direction. And it's because a crystal worker called me and wanted to know how to add shells to her work, her energy work. At the time, I was clueless. I didn't know very much about energy. But it's been a journey with my shells. And the second book now is the wisdom that's come through working with these shells and what they've taught me about how they can connect with our energy, with our chakras. So what you're saying is that the shells, each of the shells can apply to each of the chakras in the body. Yes. There are specific shells. Um, abalone shells, what I've learned is there are many abalones that are working with us, almost as mirrors of where our spiritual energy is. Mm-hmm. And you can watch the evolution of our energy through the changes in abalone shells. Really? It's, it's amazing. The new shells that are coming out. There used to be... It has to connect to the holes in the abalone. That's the, the method that I'm using for what chakra they mm-hmm. were. But not too many people think about the animal who made the shell, the abalone mollusk. And there is an extract within the animal called paolin. And paolin is a natural antibiotic. It fights penicillin-resistant strains of strep, staph, typhus. Hmm. So it's physically medicinal. Okay. And for me, when you're using abalone for smudging... That's half the purpose of what you could use the shell for. Because if you combine the two aspects, now you've got the emotional and the physical. With the animal, you get that physical contribution. So abalone can actually be the need to heal emotionally, or if we don't, because we tend sometimes to push our emotions down, repress them in some way. When you do that, it doesn't disappear. You'd like to think it's gone. It doesn't. It just doesn't end run. It's going to find another way to get your attention. And if it's not in that energy, exterior way of dealing with the emotion, it'll filter down and get closer closer to the physical body and show up in some kind of physical form. Where okay. many times, for instance, if we're talking throat chakra, if you have a sore throat or a throat problem, it could be because at an emotional level, things weren't getting expressed. And you repress them and deny them, and it's looking for your attention, so it's got to say, hey, take a look at the throat here, and it does it in a physical way as sort of the final alternative that it had to its disposal when you weren't looking at the emotion. So if there's something that 
you might feel emotionally that you need to say, and you're not saying it, your body's going to get its attention by messing with your throat. Finding a physical way. Exactly. Okay. That's a simplified way of, of looking at how the abalone can work with the need to heal emotionally or it can affect you physically. But then you can take the abalone into deeper levels. And in the second book, the center of the abalone, where all the colors coalesce in the middle of that bowl, mm-hmm. that's called the muscle scar. That's where the animal attaches to the shell. So if a scar forms from attachment, the abalone is saying, acknowledge the emotion, but don't attach to it. If you allow something to surface to your awareness where you realize you're really mad at someone, you've pushed it down, and now you understand it's that person's fault that your life is a mess. We'll use that as an example. If you attach to that, you have just ruined any chance of success in your life because you want to show that other person that they messed up your life. And if you're Mm. successful, they're off the hook. I see. But that isn't healthy for you to keep yourself from succeeding. So Abalone is saying acknowledge the emotion, but don't attach to it. You need to heal and release it. Mm -hmm. And the holes in the abalone shell, that is their purpose. That's where the animal excretes its waste. That's the release point. So that's why the holes connect to So it's, it's about it's about releasing. Yes. I notice that when you look at the shell, you see the bumps where the uh, the old holes were. Yes. So you don't count those. That is a great point. The reason I really feel the holes are significant is because of those bumps. Because if an abalone say has three holes. Three open holes. Three open holes. Yeah. As the animal's body enlarges, when it grows, it's going to have to make more shell to cover its body. Mm -hmm. And it will make a new hole to excrete its waste. And you would think that would mean now it's going to have four holes. But it doesn't. While it's making that newest hole, it simultaneously plugs up the oldest hole that's opening, which is what you were talking about, those bumps. Right. So it's back to three again. So throughout its whole life, it'll only have three holes. Exactly. A three hole is not someone who used to be a two hole and is now a three and is going to be a four. four. It's a three its entire life. So if you have an abalone with three holes, there's something in its DNA that says, I'm only supposed to have three holes my entire life. Hmm. But you will find abalones with four holes and five holes and six holes and seven. So to me, it was very significant that they were coding for that's the number of holes I'm supposed to have. So now when you think chakra, Think this is the need to heal emotionally, but at the level of the third chakra, the fourth chakra, the fifth Fifth chakra. chakra. And for a very long time, you could only find abalones with three to six, maybe seven holes. The reason I think they mirror our spiritual evolution is you can now find abalones with eight, nine, ten, eleven, even twelve holes. And the most amazing to me, because I never thought an abalone would only have one or two, if that's where they excrete their waste... Right. I tease people, I said, that would be a pretty constipated little abalone with only one <laughs> hole. They exist now. Mm-hmm. I just got one yesterday that only had one hole. So now I have two, and I thought that was the rarest thing you could ever find would just be one hole, and they now are out there. So what it's saying is we need to value the upper chakras, the 9, 10, and 11, mm-hmm. as much as developing the, the lower one and the ones. two. Exactly. It's not like they're lower and less evolved. They're essential because all chakras have equal value, and you want to integrate all of them to work together as one package. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask, um, if you have a shell in your collection, an abalone shell, mm-hmm. and it's it's a chakra that you want to work with, say, in a ritual, is just having that shell 
Um, does that help you learn, or is it the lesson from the shell, or can you use that shell in personal ritual um, to help develop that chakra, to open it up? Absolutely, you can use it to even place on that part of your body Mm -hmm. or have in your environment because once you have awareness, it was trying to assist you all along. But my mission is to let people be aware of the language that's going on, of the wisdom that they contain, because it will just make it more efficient. If you look at greeting cards, they have seashells on them quite often. And it's amazing when you discover that the shell on a specific sentiments card is the shell that would connect to the meaning for that sentiment. So we're drawn to them, and at some level, at a subconscious level, we already understand the language because they're picking the perfect shell for the perfect sentiment. the perfect card, right. Like on a bereavement card, there was the entire stages of death in seashells on a bereavement card. I was amazed that they would be able to do that, and it turned out I wrote to them, and they actually wrote back, which astounded me to begin with, but what they said is they weren't aware of it. And I just realized, well, you weren't aware consciously. It's just something instinctually that they knew. Yes. That this this fits. And there are people with shells in their home, and when they find out what the shell means, it usually turns out that's an issue they've been working on all their life. So hmm. the shell is there to assist them and help them heal in whatever that area might be in their life. And they can come to you through gifts from people or you're in a store and you just it catches your eye you think it's pretty Mm -hmm. you think it's pretty because your higher self knows what it means and it wants you to be attracted to it so it can assist you in healing that so you don't have to live next to a beach to really appreciate the power that shells have absolutely not and to me the most wonderful revelation when I learned about energy is that a picture of a shell can carry the energy because shells can be expensive some of them are rare Mm mm-hmm And so if you need to work on a particular issue and you've got the shell that's rare, that's going to be difficult for you to have that shell in your life. To actually have it. But a picture of the shell will work equally well. Because the focus is is on the knowledge and what you have inside and knowing what the shell means then. Exactly. That that gives you the energy and, and gives you the intent. I have worked with shell cards on my body for physical problems. And they have assisted me tremendously. And it's just... I wondered, it's just a picture of a shell, and I would experiment deliberately thinking, no one will believe that this could be, so I better make sure that it happens. Mm -hmm. I found it. In fact, the most amazing example I can give you of how this could work is there was a woman with a five-hole abalone, that's throat chakra. Okay. This was very early on when I was first developing this theory, and she presented me this abalone that is her favorite shell with little pieces of shells inside, and she asked me, why do you think I only collect little pieces of shells? And the shells she had were about inspiration, jump for joy, all these wonderful qualities. But it was like she would only let herself have a fragment of the joy, a fragment of the inspiration. And this was throat chakra, five-hole. So I asked her if she had any throat problems. It turned out when she was 15, she was in an accident where she was in a coma, and she ended up with paralyzed vocal cords and literally can't sing. It took her years just to be able to raise her voice above a whisper. And here she is carrying around this throat chakra shell that was broadcasting the fact that she's not able to get the full joy, the full inspiration from Um, expressing herself through her words. Right. And as we worked, what we discovered was there was a time in her life where she really believed 
She did not want to impose her thoughts and opinions on people in her family who were going through difficult times. She didn't want to be an extra burden. So to have this accident literally guaranteed she wouldn't impose any of her thoughts or opinions on them. Oh, wow. She couldn't even speak. And once she understood where all this came from and was able to heal that, I'm not saying she can yell or scream, but she's found compensatory ways now to have a voice and to express herself. Right. Through her art. She actually uses art to do that. So it allowed her the freedom to be able to explore the art because now she felt, I am entitled to my opinions and to speak. Right. But it was the awareness yes. that brought that on. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about while we're on this? Well, my point for working with the shells and having people maybe look at the world a little differently when they see what the shells can contribute to their life is to have new eyes to go out and look at the world in all its aspects and maybe new um, methods of communication with nature, flowers, trees, rocks, whatever it might be, and whatever they go out and learn, they can then share. Because I look at it as we're all in this together. And whatever benefits one, benefits all. So if learning about the shells can then open their eyes to learn something new that they can then contribute, I benefit from that. So I look at it as, it's, that was my goal, just to have people look at the world a little differently. Now where can people find the Ocean Oracle and your new book, Ocean Wisdom? Ocean Oracle is published through Simon & Schuster, so it's mm-hmm. available, it will be very shortly anyway, on Amazon.com or in some bookstores. But on my website, you can also get it through me, and I'd be able to send you an inscribed version if you would like a, an autograph oh, copy. Yeah. Ocean Wisdom is available right now only through me, and they can get that on my website. And your website is? It's www.oceanoracle.com. And you can also find that link at paganheartandmain.com. And I want to thank you for being with us today in the studio. And we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very much. Thank you.
together doesn't seem enough time. So let me climb to the very top of every tall mountain, here and beyond until the world ends. And the voice that you hear on the wind will be saying, I love you. You are my best. I think I'm going to call this a completed first episode. I want to thank again author Shelley Hansen for coming into the studio. The shows we talked about in today's episode you can find pictures of on the Pagan Heart and Main website. Just click on the picture of the shell in the show notes. And you can find out more about Shelley at www.oceanoracle.com. I want to thank our musical guest today from featured artist Kellyana. We heard three songs from her new album, A Walk with a Goddess. And you can find her music at www.kellyana.com. And the wonderful harp music in the background that you are hearing is from Jerry Marchand in his new album, Celtic Cosmos, 
And you can find his work at cdbaby.com. And I'll leave you today with a song from Celtic Cosmos called Earthrise. Bright blessings. Thank you.